Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. For some reason, I left my car in the driveway overnight, and so I was awakened with frost all over my windows. Nevertheless, was it not in the 50s two days ago, three days ago? Yeah, spring is coming. Then comes summer. Summer, big adjustment to summer. Got to bring out all those warm uh, little clothes, right? You know, they don't cover all your legs. And <laughs> What do they call those things? <laughs> and there you got to remind yourself of things that you've forgotten throughout the winter, like things called a sunburn. Sunburns can be sneaky, can't they? I remember a few years back replacing a liner in my pool. And it was nice because there was still water in the in the liner, so I had the opportunity to feel cool on this hot day, except what that water was doing was acting like a magnifying glass, and by the time I was done, my feet were torn open and very red, it's very horrible. I was gonna show you a picture, but that would be just too much. Yeah, you gotta be careful about such things. Sometimes we don't realize it. we walk in the house, oh, you've been in the sun, what do you mean? Yeah, you're glowing, yeah. We don't see it happen, maybe till somebody tells us, <clears throat> just like sin, sin. And the Apostle Paul is going to tell us about that here in chapter 3. And you may recall in our study here in the book of Romans, the first three chapters, Paul looks at all of the world and he puts them on the stand and he says this, you are guilty of sin, every last one of you. He starts with all of the Gentiles. Chapter 1. Chapter 2, he puts the, the Jews on trial and, he and shows that they are condemned because of their sin as well. And here in chapter 3, he finishes it up for everybody. My friend, this is so important to know. that if you don't know you're lost, my friend, you won't look for a way out. And so how important it is. Now the uh, workings of our text here today is like a trial. Uh, and I say like a trial, it's a, maybe a little out of order how we do it. But it starts with the Jews giving an answer to the accusations of chapter 2. And this is a, a, a method that Paul uses called a diatribe. He presents perhaps questions that the Jews might have in regard to this, a defense as it were. And uh, he offers three questions that he answers for us here today. And so you will notice the defense starts out asking these questions. Shouldn't the Jews be free of judgment? Now you and I say, why? Well, Paul's going to answer that question. <laughs> you see, the first question he asks and answers is this. If the Jews are guilty too, I mean, if the Jews are as guilty as the Gentiles, then what advantage is it of being a Jew? Look at verse 1. He says, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? And here Paul answers that first and foremost, y'all have been given the word of God. What a great, great, great treasure. You, you know, two-thirds of the Bible is the Older Testament. All of that given to the nation of Israel, laid out to this nation. What a great, great opportunity. 
And that's what Paul says, verse 2, much in every way to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. This, of course, sparks a warning. Some people today also enjoy spiritual advantages and falsely conclude that because of these, God will give them preferential treatment. Oh, no, I'm okay. My grandpa's a pastor. Yeah? Yeah? I see that spark for you. You had a, your father? Yeah, yeah. The whole, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. But it don't work like that, my friends. God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. And so there is no advantage one over the other. Other than they had the word of God right there. They had prophets preaching right in their midst and they missed it. So... So beware, my friends, beware of such things. And then question number two, then. Here's the Jews saying, well, if we're guilty, how are we any different than the the Gentiles? And then this thought came up. Well, what about God's promises to us? I mean, God made all these covenants with the nation of Israel. What about those? Notice here in verse 3, what if... What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? Is this God unfaithful? Is that why we're unfaithful? And Paul says, absolutely, positively, no. And I say it that way because he responds with this phrase, by no means, which is a translation of meganoito. It means absolutely not. Well, pounding your fist, but I won't do that. <laughs> you get the idea. Absolutely not. By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, he says. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Question number three. Is God unjust to punish Israel since their sin highlights God's righteousness? Now, this is a convoluted question, but Paul is answering this because people have accused him of saying this very thing. Notice verse 5. He says, but if unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And Paul says here, you'll notice, uh, he says, uh, in in parenthesis, I speak in a human way. And what Paul is saying here, by saying I'm speaking in a human way, it, it constitutes an apology, an apology for a statement which would most certainly be blasphemous. To say that somehow God is unfaithful. To say that somehow God is unrighteous. And Paul here says that's absolutely nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Now their argument came from... Uh, uh, Psalm 51, you may be familiar with that. Psalm 51 is David's confession of sin after he sinned with Bathsheba. Create in me a clean heart. In that psalm, David contrasts his sin with the righteousness of God. And people took that to say, well, look, David's sin gave him opportunity to highlight the righteousness of God. And the end of that argument, notice here in verse 7, is this, but if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? That was their argument. And Paul, of course, says, 
That's nonsense. As some people slanderously charge us with saying, and their condemnation is just. See, there's your defense, and it isn't much of a defense. You and I are sinners. I don't have to spend an itty-bitty bit of time here trying to convince you because you already know it. You just have to take a look at the... uh, the Ten Commandments, which certainly make it simple for us. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Yeah. I'll tell you what, still chews me up inside when I think of how I treated my mother at times. Yeah, dishonored our parents we have. Shame on us. We don't even have to go any further than that, do we? You ever take something that doesn't belong to you? You're a sinner. You're absolutely fallen. The wages of sin is death, and there is not a person here that does not deserve it. And eternity in hell, pain and agony. There isn't anything that anyone has done to get us a day off of hell. It is absolutely, absolutely essential that we understand that. So there are the Jews potentially trying to argue their way out of hell. It will never happen. It will never happen. But when we come here, my friends, to verse 9, we've seen the defense. Now the prosecution comes out and puts forth the evidence against all of us, asking this question, what then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, people in Portage and Porter County and people in Illinois and every last one of us, my friends, are all under sin. (coughs) And the theological term for that, my friends, is we are depraved. Depraved, The doctrine of total depravity, and we are most certainly depraved, asserts that people are as a result of the fall. We're talking about Adam and his decision to eat the apple when God said, you don't, don't eat that fruit. For the day that you eat of that fruit, you will die. What he didn't tell him is, so will all of your descendants, every last one of us. So as a result of the fall, neither inclined or even able to love God. Without God drawing us to himself, we will never run to him. We will never do it, my friends. We will not. We cannot. We are not able to love God wholly with our heart, mind, and strength, but rather the inclination of our heart is to serve our own will, our own desires, and to reject God's will. That is the condition of every child that comes. Though they may be so sweet and soft and wonderful, it's just a matter of time before their sin nature is seen. And they wail out for whatever they want, just like us. Now, there's a bummer of a sermon, but how important it is to know these truths, my friend. Notice verse 10, as the prosecutor, Paul, lays out for us, 
just the kind of people we are as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands and no one seeks for God. You say, hey, wait a minute, I did. Yeah, the garage, you know, my life was seemingly just going nowhere and I frustrated and hurt and I cried out to God. You know what Jesus said? No one comes to the Father unless he draws them. Nobody comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them. That's John 6, 44, by the way. No one, because our heart is not inclined to God. It is inclined to ourself. It is sin. And so our conscience is depraved. Our character is depraved. All have turned aside, verse 12. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. He talks about our conversation, the words that come out of our mouth, verse 13. Their throat is an open grave, and they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Go ahead, deny it. Yeah, we're not buying it. And then our conduct, verses 15 to 19. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable. He's talking about the Jews here. There is absolutely, absolutely not one single thing that we can do to change our condition. There is not one single thing. You came into this world a sinner, as did I. And you demonstrated it in various ways throughout your life, even as recent as today. And we stand guilty before a holy God. And there is not one single thing that we can do about it. That is a desperate situation there, my friends. And so you say, well, is there any hope? Jeremiah 13, 23 says it this way. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also you can do good who are accustomed to doing evil. Again, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. This is where we come to the third part of this trial, and it's called the plea deal. Here's the option. Here's the opportunity. Paul says in verse 19, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. And he says that justification is apart from the law. Now, let's talk about some of these words here. Justification. We defined that last week. We'll do it again this week. Justification is the act in which God declares someone righteous. We have no righteousness of us, our own. Our righteousness, the scripture says, is like filthy rags. That term, by the way, is talking about menstrual rags. 
Yeah, just to make it clear, our righteousness before God is nothing. It is nothing. Justification, my friends, is apart from the law. See, for the Jew, they say, well, we just need to keep the law and we'll be right before God. Guess what? You can't. And the whole Old Testament demonstrated it. As simple it is, just follow the instructions, and they could not. For by the works of the law, verse 20, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law of the prophets bear witness to it. So you will not be saved by obedience, first and foremost. You struggle with your obedience to your own standards, let alone God's. <coughs> Look at verse 22. Another important aspect of how could we possibly be rescued from our life of sin. Well, righteousness comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God, the right standing with God, standing in a place that you have, God is pleased with you. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. You will notice that word, faith and believe. You are not saved by accepting anything. You are not saved by receiving anything. You are not saved by asking for anything. The way that we are made righteous before God is through faith. Faith, 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 faith. What is faith? It is absolute dependence and trust upon God with all that we are and all that we have. Absolute dependence. I have nothing else. There is no plan B. And we, uh, we demonstrate this with this illustration. Again, this is an illustration, not truth, okay? So you're standing at the gates of heaven, and there's Peter saying, why should we let you in? What's your answer? Well, you know, my grandfather was a preacher, and I used to have dinner at his house, and we used to do the Bible story stuff, and what's your answer? Well, you know, I volunteered at the church. I mean, I was there all the time, the things that I did. Your only hope, my friend, is that you are absolutely dependent upon Christ. The only way that we could take a step into heaven is because Christ died for our sin and he rose from the dead. He took the penalty that we deserve. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Why? For all have sinned, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter how hard you try, you will fall short. Our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is Jesus. And notice here, verse 24, and we are justified, there's that word, declared righteous. You see, that's not earned righteousness, that's declared righteousness. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Grace. Grace is God giving to us what we do not deserve. That is grace. Do we deserve that Christ went to the cross for us? Absolutely not. What we deserve is an eternity in hell. 
by God's grace, he sent his son. Grace. A gift. Very same thing. A gift isn't isn't a gift if you're giving something because somebody did something else. That's payment, isn't it? We're talking about the gift of God. The grace of God in sending his son to die for our sin and be raised from the dead that we might be justified by faith. And so we are justified by God's grace and we are justified at a great cost. Notice again through verse 24, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus (coughs) whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Of course, that needs no explanation. Now, that's not a word we use often. Propitiation by his blood. He's talking about his death. The word propitiation means a satisfaction of the wrath of God. The wrath of God that we deserve to have over us because of our sin was satisfied at the death of Christ. Do we understand the magnitude of such a thing? That if Christ had not died for us, we would be hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Nothing before us to look forward to. Justified by his grace. And at a very, very, very great cost. The death of Christ satisfied the wrath of God. And we are justified. You say, why? Why would God do any of this? And again, it's not because we deserve it. It is because it demonstrates God's righteousness. We are justified in order to demonstrate God's righteousness. Look at this is what Paul says here in verse 25. This was to show that God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. He is right to have judged sin. And he is right to declare us righteous because his wrath has been satisfied. And notice, my friends, notice this all-important truth here in verse 27. Then what became of boasting? (laughs) You know, boast about just, oh yeah, I came to faith when I was... You wouldn't come to faith at all lest God saved you, lest the Father drew you. Hmm. And what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? The law of works? (laughs) No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Again, hear me when I say this. There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Absolutely not a single thing. God has done that work in sending his son to die on our behalf, to die in our place, that we might be saved from the penalty of our sin, rightly deserved. How great a salvation is this, my friend. You want to talk about the love of God? We have defined love as a sacrificial investment in someone's life. It is not a feeling or emotion. We use love like we mean like. Oh, I love spaghetti. 
Really? What kind of sacrificial? I suppose the one who made it might have made a sacrificial investment. That's just love for your family, isn't it? And here is the, the most important truth of all of these things, my friends, that must be known. That this righteousness is available to every last soul on this planet. Verse 29. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Of course not. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is the one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. By faith, my friends. Faith, faith, faith. When we study chapter 4 next week, it's going to be all about faith. What are we talking about when we say faith? And the key person that we'll focus on is Abraham. We're running out of time this morning. I don't know, maybe we can sneak it in. Let's... I would never do that to you, friends. And so righteousness is available to all. God is God over all. And those who trust in Christ will be declared righteous. And notice this. And at the very same time, the law will be fulfilled. Verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So then... Salvation, my friends, is not gained through the law, not limited to the Jews, and it is not earned by works. It is by faith. Not asking, not receiving, not anything else other than trusting in God. That is what honors him. That is the key to heaven. That Christ died for our sin, and he rose from the dead. And we put our trust in him. So let's wrap it up. Our only hope from the deliverance of bondage and sin in God's wrath is faith. It is faith. Faith in Jesus who died for our sin and rose from the dead. It is faith. So hear me, my friends. If you are justified... If you have been declared righteous by God because you have put your faith in him. Then why don't you live in such a way as to make our invisible God visible. Live in such a way as to make our invisible God visible. Let God's love and his righteousness and his goodness and kindness and compassion be lived out through you. Live it out, my friends. And if you have been justified by faith, you ought to be awfully grateful, my friends. It ought to be just lifting your hands in prayer to God when you think of such a great faith as this, such a great salvation that God has done for us. And my friends, if you've been monkeying around with religion for a while, and you just think this is just about trying to be good people, you will know this, that without Christ, you will never be good people. And even with Christ, you will struggle with it on a daily basis. Trust in him. Trust him even now. Cry out to him in faith. And if you've been justified by faith, if someone was kind enough 
to lay out the gospel for you, go tell someone else. This is a great, great salvation. How could we possibly keep it to ourselves? Father, help us. Oh, help us. What a great, great salvation that you have given to us. Help us that we might not treat it lightly. Help us, God, that we might honor you in our lives, our thoughts, and our words, and our actions. By the power of your Holy Spirit, whom you've given to us as a down payment of eternity to come. Oh, Father, help us to honor you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.